What is up, House of Trades? Welcome back to the Aggressively Okay podcast. There is no call that we do not answer. There is no Paul that we do not answer. Welcome back. My name is Joseph Paul Salamone. I'm joined by my co-host. He's going to beat your fucking ass. What was... Come on, Paul Blart. Paul, Paul was Atreides. right there. Yeah. Uh, Paul did Schrader. Did you know name was Paul? I did. Because um, I have your social security number. So I, uh, yeah. I know everything about you. Um, awesome. Yeah, I want like one of those like epic gamer like sit-down meetings where it's Paul Atreides, Paul Schrader, and Paul Blart. And they're just talking about stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. They're playing poker. They're playing... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the dogs playing poker. It's it's the three of them and then Brian from Family Guy, like just uh, on Arrakis. Um, my name's Adam. Welcome back to the OK Pod. Um, and if you can't tell, you know, if you can't see the little lights in the air, little flickers of dust, we're spice pilled, baby. We're on Arrakis. It's sweaty as fuck. Jamie's here with us. Uh, we're talking Dune. Dune all day, baby. Um, and we have a very special guest for this pod today if you want to introduce himself hey guys my name's johan and i'm here to talk with my friends about dune yes and i I, i'm so happy that we got johan on the pod for this one because uh johan is just about no he is the biggest dune head that i know and uh it feels like an honor to have him on the pod for this one he's he's also the biggest doo-doo head we know That's so rude. That's so rude. That is Joey, so rude. Joey. That's so rude. Listen to me, Joey. I I'm need leaving. you to bend over, put your bottom up, and let me spank it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Did you learn, you learn your lesson? Did, did we have to do this on pod? Could have just, just been a, a hey, note after. I, you hey, shut the fuck up. Spank me on pod. Now I'm turned on, so this is going to be a weird one. <laughs> Joey is a boner. Um, okay. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. I do love Dune, and I love Dune, a podcast um, with my dudes. Nice. Nice. I'm contemplating suicide. Um, man, me and you both, buddy. Uh, so, <laughs> we, uh, before we get into the movie itself, I kind of want to clear the room for you, Johan. I want you to... Maybe tell us about your history with Dune, uh, your love for Dune, and maybe even your anticipation for the movie. Um, dude, Dune. Um, I don't know. I first read Dune when I was 15, 16, uh, and it was assigned to me uh, as a school, optional school project. And being a type A type of tween ager, I was like, yes, I love homework. I'll do it. I'll read this 900-page cockroach killer of a book. Um, I read The Stand by Stephen King, which is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the copy I have is about 1,200 pages. And I read Dune over the course of uh, of whatever school year it was. Um, Both of those are amongst my favorite books. Uh, Dune, though, hit. Hit like a motherfucker. Um, Yeah, I... It's just a, a natural meeting place of everything that I dig. Sci-fi, grand space opera sort of stuff. Then you've got the David Lynch, Yodorowsky factor in it. Um, 
such a beautiful world. I love Star Wars. Naturally, Star Wars owes a lot to Dune. Um, Golden Age sci-fi stuff. I don't know. It's just like it's like the apex of the vortex of just everything I fucking love. Um, very excited for this movie for a very long time. Um, yeah, I just I've I've fucking I'm spice pilled, dude. When was this movie announced? Because I feel like it's been forever, but I don't have like an exact timeline. It was, I think it was right around when Blade Runner 2049 came out. So it's Sounds 2017, about right. 2016. Or I think it was like after, it might have been right before 2049 came out. Because I think that like, it was, it was, it was definitely around that time frame. I know, I think Denise said that uh, Blade Runner was his test run for Dune. That makes sense. Which... In retrospect, like it, it both makes sense, but feels like a ridiculous statement because, sure. like, Blade Runner is just like such a massive thing of its own. Like, so to even compare that as like a test run is like nuts to me. Um, but hey, like he's the director, so like whatever. Um, yeah, I think so. It was already announced that he was going to direct Dune when Blade Runner was coming out, right? Um, I believe so. I'll do. I'll be the Jamie. I'll check it. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I remember, like when it was announced. Whenever it happened, I just had that a thought about like, oh yeah, Dune. Like I know the name, and I was kind of surprised at the time that they hadn't already adapted it again, um, at least in feature length uh, film version, since the uh, Lynch version back in the day. Which, granted, I've never seen. Um, and it feels like this movie has kind of been in production, like, forever. Yeah. Um, I know the pandemic definitely added to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I I, just, ever since it was announced that he was directing it, and the more that the cast signed on for it, the more I just got more slowly dune-pilled. Um, and I got to say, Johan, and also a friend of the per, uh, pod, Ernest Calderon, uh, both of you, kind of persuaded me into finishing well first of all starting the book but finishing the book in time for the movie um because usually i'm a guy i don't need to read every book for every adaptation that i see like i'm perfectly content being that movie guy you know um but you especially johan you really made me realize that i kind of have to read the book and um even aside from like needing to read the book like just the way you love the book really spoke to me and i um I pushed through. I, uh, you know, we did it, Joe. We finished Dune. Um, and <laughs> I got to say, after finishing Dune, maybe a week or two before the screening that I went to, um, I'm kind of right there with you. I think it's maybe just about the best thing I've ever read. Um, it, it's yeah. truly fantastic. Um, like, really magnificent, wonderful stuff. And actually challenged me in a way that I didn't quite expect yeah. to do. Um, but not in a way that felt like frustrating or tiring. It just felt like it felt right. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I was already hyped for the movie with all the teasers and the year long delay. Um, but having finished the book a week before, by the time the screening came along, I, uh, as Johan usually says in the pod, uh, I was honking like a damn goose. And uh, I was <laughs> uh, in line for the screening. I, even me and Joey, like when we were there together, we were like, we're seeing Dune tonight. 
Like it feels yeah. surreal, like that it's actually happening. <laughs> as soon as the tickets went live, I requested that uh, that evening off of work. Um, it's been that type of thing. Um, the only time that's ever happened was Last Jedi. Yeah, Last yeah. Jedi was one for me. Where I and like, this is this is coming from like you guys, somebody who watches like everything, who gets very excited of, about many things and stuff like that. Very few things, I think, um, hold like an actual real life weight outside of the the incubator pressure cooker of the movie theater. But Star Wars is usually that, and Dune was that, and then some. This is far and away the most excited i've ever been for a movie in my 26 years on this earth i'm serious yeah it's um this i mean like many people i am not special but i mean like this movie just means so much to me the story means so much to me i've i've bought this book and given it away more times than i care to admit um it's i this it's just such a I don't know. I feel like it's uh, it's. I feel like it's one of the one of one of the essential human stories. I no. I mean, like I said, I I'm not as deeply Dune filled as you. You have more of a history with it than I do. But um, and I'm reading. I'm going to start Dune Messiah very soon. But um, Messiah is to quote the late great the late great uh, Kobe Bryant. It is a different animal, but the same beast. It's a, it's, it's a whole some ingredients. It's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is Dune one, but Messiah is like peanut butter on the outside, bread on the middle, jelly on the bottom. It's like, it's just a fundamentally destructuring deconstruction of the main narrative that I think you're really going to appreciate. Then you start getting to children. That's where I start. Personally, this is probably sacrilege to any major bigger Dune fan listening to it. That's where I peter out. That's where I'm like, all right, the natural, the natural story here was clearly number one. Number two is a nice little coda to it. And anything after that starts getting into what I feel like is very, very weird, weird, unnecessary, highfalutin territory. Yeah, I've I've heard that a lot, and I, uh, yeah. but I'm trying not to get too uh, read up into it too much because I kind of want to be surprised and see where I cut off whenever I get there. Yeah. Um, but Joey, uh, considering that you can't read, um, you've never read Dune, correct? No. Uh, Swag. Just letting you guys know, I have not read Dune. Um, I own it. Um, I'm looking at my copy of it currently. Um, no, you're not. It's got a nice orange cover to it. Uh, Bro, that's Grit Eggs uh, and Ham. Oh, shit. Oh, and I'm actually looking at... Um, this is Captain Underpants uh, 4. So, the Perilous uh, Adventure of Percy P. Poopy Pants, of course. Yeah, Mr. Professor Poopy Pants. Uh, and uh, yeah. I, what I really want is when we're getting the sequel to that film. Uh, because... You know, Dune 2 is cool and all, but uh, I want to see what happens with uh, Ed Helms's Captain Underpants film. That's one of the first movies we saw together, Joey. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was a, we went. It was a day, it was a daytime screening, right? Yeah, we held hands. Uh, mm-hmm. We yeah, fell in love. That's honestly, yeah, like we met at Lego Batman, but we fell in love with Captain Underpants. And I fell asleep in that movie. Oh, yeah, Aww. I had to wake you up. Um, I missed the flip-o-rama. 
I know. That's I, I got got mad at you after that. They um, do the flipperama in the movie. I the movie finished and I went. I liked it. There was just no flipperama, and Adam went. Are you fucking stupid? How did they do it in the film? <laughs> they like um. It's just like it's literal like flipperama, but like visualized. Like they're flipping the pages, and it's just like really neat. I One think you told me that very... the Kevin Hart character comes down and is like, this is a little too violent for y'all. And then he, uh, yeah. he starts flipping. That's I usually can't... how they do it in the books, right? Where it's like, this is something transgressive. Let me just show you a cartoon of it. And then you can animate it yourself. To which I say is the nature of all animation, not flipperama. Holy shit. We might be onto something here. I think these thoughts can change the world, dog. Um, but Joey has not read Dune. He's he's no. not. He, but he was spice pilled before going in because you you were haunting like a goose before. Well, I'm the more. I, I, my excitement for Dune, and I, this might piss off uh, someone like someone like Johan. Uh, but uh, my excitement for Dune uh, was strictly in the fact that it was a Denis, Denis Villeneuve was directing it. That's I, fine. Uh, what'd you say? That's fine. Yeah, I guess it's a huge. That's a huge factor here, man. Uh, I've been yes, Denise, yeah. I've been pilled since uh, I saw Prisoners. Uh, Prisoners uh, for a long time was my favorite film, and uh, I'm sitting Damn. under I'm sitting under a Blade Runner 2049 poster right now. I think that guy. Uh, I mean, obviously he's the big hotshot now, but uh, I've been saying I, I've been on the Denis train for such a long time now, uh, and uh, he keeps getting better. So. Uh, I, uh, I I was so excited for this. At one point, Jake Gyllenhaal was attached to play Duke Leto, and uh, that would have been cool. But that, I'm keeping him. I'm keeping him in my back pocket. Are we? Are we? Are we able? Are we? Can we? Should I? I have I have some ideas for uh, casting the sequel, but this might be a little bit too far ahead. Uh, no. I mean, who who would you have as uh, Jakey G? Jake G needs to be the fucking Emperor Padisha. House Carino down the fourth. He has, if it's not him, God forbid me for saying it, but it needs to be Jared Leto. Jared Leto himself is a ginormous Dune fan. The first 30 Seconds to Mars album is a Dune concept album. His name was taken from Duke Leto. Leto is not Jared's real last name. He has such an affinity for this property. No, I'm being serious. I'm being completely serious. That's ins- oh, he's gonna get the part for sure. He has to. He has of, to. He needs he to play the emperor. Exactly. I'm trying to think of people who have been in. This is all me and and me and my girlfriend have been talking about the past like what week and a half, two weeks that this movie's been out. It's just fan casting. The emperor, Princess Irulan, and um, goddamn uh, Fade Routha. Um, I saw. Who doesn't want to play Paul? Huh. Do you want to play Paul? You. Oh, okay. Dude, I want Seth Rogen to play Paul like he did in 2011. It's <laughs> <laughs> a deep cut for uh, all the Paul 2011 heads out there. You guys um, know this is a tangent. Oh, I probably should save it for off pod. Hannah and I went on a road trip like a month ago to the Little Alien, which is where they go to in the movie Paul, because I'm a huge Alien UFO fan. That's the closest thing. Paul fan. I am a huge Paul fan. I fucking love that movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> um, 
uh, as far as fan casting goes, without like having to go like completely detour <laughs> before even talking no. about the first movie. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. It's good because uh, now that you mentioned, it, I want to do it. Um, and Joey won't even know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Um, Princess, I want. Let's go Anya Taylor Joy. That's who me and Hannah are thinking, and I don't like Anya Taylor Joy as an actor, so I'll keep it a book with you. But I do think it's the same thing where, like, if teeny boppers come out to see a movie intended for sixty-year-old men like myself to enjoy, I'm fine with it, man. Like, fucking cast Harry Styles as Fader Alpha. Call it a day, bro. I'm with whatever. Anything that gets butts and seats, man. Did you see that? Um, Barry Keoghan was trending for a. Uh, I call I call I'm sorry to be an absolute insufferable piece of shit, but I called that one as soon as me and Hannah watched um Killing of the Sacred Deer. Um, um that's I was like, yes, that needs yeah. that needs to happen. That needs I recommended to that to happen. to Adam, that movie, yeah. and he didn't watch it, and then he finally watched it and he said it was one of his new favorites. That it's is not zoinked true. out movie. Literally man. not true. Wait, you don't like it, Adam? No, I mean no, no, no. I like it. I but it's like the opposite of what happened. You know, I Adam told Joey to watch it for years, and I finally watched it. And it, I, I, that movie is incredible. I love that film so much. This is a regular Akira Kurosawa Rashomon. I don't know who to believe. I, I, Adam's telling the truth. Yeah, I'm literally telling the truth. <laughs> this is like a Rashomon so, where Adam is telling the truth. This is just like Rashomon. This is just like the last duel. Um. This is honestly just like Zootopia. This is crazy. Um, this is just like Wild Hogs. Uh, I can you imagine like Wild Hogs, but like on Arrakis? Martin Lawrence is the Emperor Padisha. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Allen is Duke Leto. Ray Liotta, honestly, is a Gurney Halleck is a good casting choice. That's actually yeah. like base casting. That's yeah, like, that's pretty good. That's really good. Uh, who's um uh William H. Ma- William H Macy? Uh, Three Fair Hawat, I think. Yeah, that's where I was going to. Yeah. And then are we missing? Well, who's Paul? Joey. <laughs> Still Joey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did he keeps calling me and I'm telling him. So yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So the the general gist of dune uh i mean i don't even think i have to explain the plot because i feel like if you're listening to this pod uh it's been out for almost two weeks now um so i feel like if you're listening you know the gist you've seen the movie and if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to this for some reason actually i guess that makes sense because we have a lot of friends that like just listen to us uh but watch the movie come back because we're going to talk pretty openly about it um but it follows the book up until literally exactly the halfway. Like, yeah. Like, uh, friend of the pod, uh, also co-host of AOK in the Multiverse, Murphy Kennefick, he stopped at the exact part that it, the movie ends on. And he was amazed at how the movie literally ends where he bookmarked it. Um, and honestly, I can't think of a better, like, if you have to do a two-parter, they did an immaculate job at making half of a book um, feel like an epic full story within itself. I mean, of course, it's not going to feel complete until part two, but you still have the highs of all the the narrative drama that's so rich 
about the first half of the book, you know? And I think people are a little bit over-exaggerating the part oneness of it all. Like, yeah. I've seen, like, a mm-hmm. lot of anticlimactic takes. And I disagree. Like, I, I, even when I was reading the book, and maybe that is what's helping me here, because I was kind of preparing myself mentally for it when I was reading it. Because I'm like, okay, the movie's going to end at a certain point in this area, right? So I was kind of, like, watching a lot, or, like, reading a lot of it, imagining it as a third act. You know what I mean? Um, and I called it. I called it, like, the way it was going to end, and I got it right. And they did it so perfectly. Um, now, Johan, I'm curious. Did you have any gripes with this movie, like, whatsoever, as a big Dune fan? Damn. I feel bad. That's a question that I should have prepared for. Hey, if you don't, um, do not feel bad. Like, if you're just completely spice-filled, that is completely okay. I am absolutely spice-filled, buddy. I am seeing the past, present, and future in this moment. Um, <laughs> I... I Certain certain character we're fully in spoiler territory, yeah. Yeah, full full spoilers. Okay, so okay. Um I one of the changes that caught me by surprise a great deal, uh not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it was actually ultimately I think it is a good thing. And I ser- I think it serves the overall ability to readily consume the film because of how big of a star Jason Momoa is seemingly going to be after this film particularly. Like he was already huge, but he seems to be the only thing that people online like really really talk about. It's just like, yo, Jason Momoa can act his ass off. Duncan Idaho's a cool character. Funny name though, but great action blah 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 blah. Um he his role in the film is greatly greatly exaggerated. Um, like by a great deal. Yeah. Um, and I'm cool with that. I'm fine with it. A story like this needs a Han Solo. Um, Star Wars realized that when they were aping Dune in you know the 70s, they realized that they need a swashbuckler to be kind of a piece of shit, kind of a scoundrel, blah 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 blah. Um, so I'm I'm not mad at that. I am a little bit upset at how sort of the um, the C tier characters are handled, but that's just that's straight up. Just I love the book so much. Why isn't the movie what I needed? What I imagined it was going to be, you know, for the past like decade or whatever. Like shout out Mapes, yeah. the way that was handled is uh, is questionable. But again, I understand. Uh, yeah, the like literally one, one scene, I think. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's a very useful useful scene. Um, yeah. Yui. Yui and Thufir, uh, Yui in particular, uh, has the, he has a very internal struggle in the book that becomes an external struggle through dialogue with Lady Jessica, where he's talking about how his wife is being held captive by the Harkonnens and their torturing her and stuff like that. And that ultimately leads to his weird triple cross situation within the Arakeen within the Arakeen Palace. Um, that is much more well developed in the in the book. Um, they shot basically all of it beat for beat for the movie, and they greatly reduced it in the final cut. So I'm hoping that at some yeah. point they do a full a director's cut, or um, ideally, when in you know ten years when we're ready to consume Dune Messiah, uh, they do a, a a marathon, like they occasionally did with the Lord of the Rings extended cuts where. I'll be in the theater for eight hours wearing an adult diaper and I'll be able to see Dr. Yui talking to Lady Jessica right before the feast scene that is also cut from the book, uh, talking to her about how he's planning on killing her husband. It's beautiful. 
It's um, absolutely beautiful. And then Through Fear Hawat's Double Cross as well is something that was seemingly left out of this movie. Um, but that for sure is going to come into play in part two. I just read an interview with Steve McKinley Henderson last night where he talked about they shot um, scenes of him in the Harkonnen compound, um, right, uh, that they cut from this movie. I feel like they're going to use it in part two. Yeah. So just it's enough. all character stuff. There is pics of it, yeah. It's yeah. all character stuff, um, and nothing, again, that I think breaks the movie at all. Uh, technically, the movie is perfect. The script, I think, is is perfect. Eric Roth did an incredible job of shepherding what the story should be, what it needs to be, uh, how it needs to feel, and stuff like that. Um, so, no, I, I thought my only issues are minor gripes. Yeah, I had the same, um, maybe not the same exact gripes that you had, like um, uh, Dr. Yue, it's like that's a big one for me where uh, one of my favorite parts of the first half of the book is like his internal struggle, but also like the whole conspiracy of like who tried to assassinate Paul. And uh, like when you're like in Jessica's headspace too, and uh, or like even like the conspiracy of like trying to make people believe that it was Jessica. Like, yep. they very much brush over it in the movie. And, like, yep. that's, I get it, because, you know, there's only so much you can do. But when that happened in the movie, and they kind of, like, brushed over it, I was like, ah, oh, shit. I'm like, because I really, like, that was one of my favorite sections of the book, just because it was so well-written and so tense. Um, But, you know, that's, like, a nitpick. Like, it's really, like, you're grasping for straws. Because um, you truly can't underestimate how a... Uh, how difficult it is to, uh, you know, adapt Dune. And, you know, Denny, he did it. Like, he fucking did it. Like, he, he did. He's a madman. Instantly goaded. Yeah. Instantly, instantly, instantly goaded. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane, like, how well he did it. Not only he did it, he did it so well, so effortlessly, it seems. And how he made it... Um, somewhat accessible to a modern audience um that's that is literally the first question i asked hannah uh, my girlfriend that sounds like two separate people uh my girlfriend <laughs> hannah um and my our friends that we watched it with and stuff was literally just uh and any anybody within earshot who watched it uh co-workers and stuff like that i've been i've been going practically going door to door trying to get motherfuckers to watch this movie dude like i'm not kidding you um i've, I've asked everybody like do you feel like do you feel like like regular normal people are gonna like it no i, I mean like like genuinely is my can my mom watch the movie and engage with it and i think the answer is like a resounding yes my friends are nerds my uh, us are my movie fans it, and stuff so. like that did they <laughs> My parent, yeah, my dad, uh, I went, Dad, did you like it? And he went, no, I fucking loved it. Really? So, yeah, he. Uh, it, was a, it was a positive review from David. Should I assume David hasn't read the book? Uh, no, he hasn't. Well, you know, we, we talk so much about uh, the modern audience and people who haven't read the books, but we got a, we got a saucy little co-host here who hasn't read the books, and he has thoughts yeah. on the movie, too. Um, he I, is a uh, thought. I am a thought. I'm a big thought. Um, but I thought it was really great. I really loved it. Um, I haven't read the book. I was going to ask you guys, should I? Because I wanted to wait to see the movie before, because I was like, Denise is going to do such a good job with it. I don't want it spoiled. But should I go ahead and take the plunge and read the book? Or should I wait for part two? Um, Bro. Read the book. Read the book? 
Yeah. Read the book. You call me cringe? A little bit, bro. Just a little bit. You think I'm cringe? Just okay, a little bro. bit. I think, I think honestly, if I could, if I could impart your beautiful audience with just like one thing, a lot of people seem to be like scared of the book. And I completely get it because like, dog, look at this fucking thing. Right? Like, mm-hmm. look at it. I also think people need to realize like, and Joey, this goes out to you too. The book is great. It's not perfect. It's like, it's like very obtuse. It's not the saying it's like my favorite book or whatever um, is not a guarantee of quality. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a captivating story. It is so the classic masculine folly of like, I'm going to make something that is so overly developed, so overcooked, so seemingly impenetrable. Take your time with it. The book is meant to be hard. It's like not, um, it, it's it's not for lack of like individual like effort or trying or anything like that. It's difficult. Read it. Try with it. I don't know. It's, it's a it's a very. Did you murder somebody? What was that noise? Yeah, I just I kicked something by accident. That was my bad. For sure. Respect. Okay. Uh, I think you should read it, Jerry. I don't know, Adam. Would you disagree with with that analysis? No, no, not at all. Like I, I mean, because I guess I left this part out. But I, I started the book a year ago. Uh, right. I, I bought it over the height of the pandemic. And, um, you know, I started it and I got about right before the Harkonnen invasion. Like I got through a lot of the Arrakis stuff, like the introductory stuff. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't even say I, like intentionally gave up. I think just like life happened. and I. But then again, at the end of a long work day, you get home. And you're like, God, I know this is a good book. I'm into it. But like, do I want to read it after a long ass day? And you're like watching all the COVID news and you're like, fuck, I just I can't right now. And I just kind of left it sitting for months. Um, So that goes to what you're saying. Like, it is a challenging book. But uh, on the other hand, it's also super rewarding. And like when you're when you get to like the true meat of it um and you're in the moment with it it's such a not to sound like a fuckboy but such a vibe but like it really is such a vibe it's like you're just you're in the moment with these characters and you're i mean yes Denis did the best job that he could and it's a beautiful adaptation of the book but yeah. the, the the true beauty of it is being in the headspace of these characters I agree. and yeah. reading the world building and like experiencing it in your own mind um, and I think Denny did about as good of a job as you could do, like just even visualizing half the shit because it's insane right. what, yeah. <laughs> uh, what Herbert came up with. Um, but, you know, Joey, I think especially since we're probably I don't think we get what part two until 2023. Yes. Um, and I think also, Joey, I think um, reading the book will give you a deeper appreciation for uh, for the movie as a whole, like part one and part two. Um, yeah, that's what, maybe I'll read it, you know, I haven't read a book in a long time, so. When's the last Let's time talk. you read a book? Uh, the last book I read was, um, in my sophomore year of college, I'm in my senior year of college now. Okay, well. Or my was fourth it? year. It was, uh, man, The Man's Search for Meaning, hmm. uh, which is an excellent book. Well, about, read uh, it's a pretty heavy subject, so I'm not going to get into it right now, but it's a very good book. Okay. Read, read Dune. Just read Dune. Um, I'm too busy doing your mom. Goddess ass, honestly. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call your girlfriend and see what she has to say about that. Goddess so ass, Adam. <laughs> um, Fellas, mm-hmm. come on. 
Let's be I, nice to each other. Let's be cordial. Well, I think if there's anything we can agree on, it's uh, it's the fact that this movie is immaculately casted. Every yeah. single person in this movie fits the role perfectly. At least I think so. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have any takes, but... Uh, Hannah I, and I were talking about, given all the weird, um, the weird Venice Film Festival stuff with Jessica Chastain and uh, Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. Hannah was, we went to the, we caught a double feature yesterday and we were talking about uh, that three, 355 spy girl movie. Dude, I'm, I'm starting to see that trip in front of every single fucking movie now. And I, I, I want to kill it, myself every time. It makes <laughs> me want to kill myself. Yeah. It makes yeah. me want to kill myself and take people with me. I'm going to be totally honest with you. <laughs> um, in Minecraft, I'm fine. Um, but we were like, just talking about how like Jessica Chastain probably fucking hates Rebecca Ferguson for, <laughs> for, for having the role of Lady Jessica. I, I do think though, uh, Jessica Chastain would be incredible as Lady Jess. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Isaac. I don't know. Or uh, a great Oscar Isaac, a great Duke Leto. Timmy is the only actor that I think could have played Paul. I'm I'm going there. Um, at this present moment in time, yes, I I believe so. Like, I I mean, I don't I don't want to say that for sure because I'm like I'm sure someone else could. But, like, he, as far, I mean, in the context of what you were uh, talking about, like, the teeny boppers and, like, getting, like, asses and seats and, like, you know, just bringing in a larger audience. Like, yeah. there's no one else really other than, let's say, maybe Harry Styles or Tom Holland in that age range. I would have taken Tom Holland, bro. I would have taken Tom Holland just fine. But Timmy has a certain... Honestly, like naive, naivety, naivete. Yeah. Kind of has and, like a, yeah. I, I, I look at him and he's got dumb eyes. And I'm like, yeah, this is Paul. This dude's um, a little aloof. He's a, well, he's a little spaced. I was gonna say, I think I could envision Tom for part one, and without divulging the spoilers, I can't imagine Tom Holland in part two. That's but, a good take. Yeah. But with Timmy. And especially like with the final shot of this movie, if you see is like the way he just is by the end of the movie, I'm like so fucking ready to see him. Space Hitler. Space dude, Hitler, dude. I, Space I'm, Hitler. I. <laughs> I'm so he's done. I'm it's done. over. He's about to be. He's about to be. He's he's literally going to be like Space Hitler. It, I'm. What the, imagine being like a 16-year-old girl watching this movie because you have a crush on Timothy Chalamet. Coming back to the movies in 2023, two years after this movie comes out, and seeing this man putting Fremen in camps and shit and being so yeah. confused. You know, like, you're not supposed to root for Paul. You're supposed yeah. to feel bad for Paul. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think it's unfortunate that the, the, the socio-political, the, the moment right now is is ta- was initially although the conversation has thankfully turned away from it is like deconstructing or, or just excuse me taking it on face value as a white savior narrative and not deconstructing it or reading it as a deconstruction of a white savior narrative you're not supposed to root for tim you guys <laughs> i don't know what to tell you the the first scene of the atreides that you see is basically a first order scene from the last jedi these are yeah. bad people pieces of shit so, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I don't know how you could misread that. That's something that I get pissed off about when I 
go online pretty frequently. Yeah, I mean, it's a very consistent theme in this, like, movie and also just the novel in general. It's like, um, you know, you have something start with, like, noble intentions and noble ideals, but uh, you can slowly, like, divulge into literally becoming the thing that you're trying to tear down. And it's, uh, I mean, there's, like, deeper themes about, like, you know, colonizing anywhere is just inherently bad <laughs> and all that stuff and that's what it does to you and it's it, it's a wild book and to see Denny lay the groundwork for it is just immaculate and I'm you know I, I don't know why I had such a hang up about like Hamadeth in part one and seeing how that would go over because if anything part one is very like it's kind of straightforward as a story um, like very much like rise and fall and like kind of like redemption um yeah but part two is going to be the real like nuts and bolts of like how will this go over <laughs> with a, a modern audience because I, I i mean maybe it's just me again underestimating the common audience right but i like i can't imagine them doing a faithful adaptation where people are satisfied like i Yes, yeah. I, it, but that yeah. just makes me more excited. It just gets me more hyped. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. Timmy, I think he he played Paul to perfection. I think he completely nailed it. Um, Oscar is Duke. Honestly, just as good as you kind of get. Uh, um, the best performance in the film, man. Bar none. I think him and Rebecca Ferguson are my favorites. Um, yeah. Although we got a uh, give it up for Stan Skarsgård, who I didn't think anyone could match what the idea of what the Baron was in my head when I was reading the book, because even just the way he's written is inherently scary. Um, but God damn it, Stan Skarsgård, and also credit to the amazing practical effects on display and makeup. Uh, God, he's so good. It's, it's so good. Um, he's giving me, uh, he gives me Kurtz from uh, Apocalypse Now vibes. He's rubbing that ball. Dude, there's, yep, that, that, uh, I was surprised at how much of a one-to-one that sequence is. And you've got that, and then you've got the Ornithopters, um, basically the March of the Valkyries or whatever, the, Mm -hmm. from Apocalypse Now, Rise of the Valkyries, whatever the fuck it's called, um, insane and it's such a it's a, it's a pretty similar story it's about it, it, bad faith interests um corporate interests religious interests what have you um fixing hard air quotes there a uh, again hard air quotes primitive society mm-hmm. so fucking good so goddamn good yeah scars guard is on another level man yeah he's he's really about as good as you can get and the thing is, you know, you 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 when when you casted him as like if I read the book prior to the casting, if I would have read that casting, I would have because he's an amazing actor, but I would have questioned it. I've been like, really, Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron. Um, but when you see it in action, it's, a bit of a reach. it's just so fucking good, dude. Um, and same thing with all the uh, uh, Harkonnen, like uh, uh, fucking Dave Bautista as the Beast Raban. And, uh, oh, God, what, David, um, I forgot his last name. Gus Moshin. Yes, as, um, what's his name? 
Pete Peter DeVries. God, he not a lot of scenes, but when he's in it, he's creepy as shit. Yeah, don't don't be so sure it was an act of love, like you uh, like you quoted earlier. When is a gift not a gift? That entire entire little yeah. exchange is a uh, exactly the type of I think work that David Desmoulin is very good at as a character actor yeah. is just showing up, clocking in, clocking out. He's it, it so 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 strong, so strong. Can I ask you guys if this is okay? What is what was your guys' favorite sequence in the film? Go for it, Joey. Uh, probably the fight scene at the end with uh, Paul and the um, the other... Uh, J- is it the Harkin? Janice? Oh. Uh, yes. Or no, the one he, he, uh, he has to... I mean, we could talk spoilers, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul's never killed anyone before. That sequence. I yeah, like that quite a bit. Janice, when, when he has to... Uh, basically, the gauntlet gets thrown down, thrown down by the... Uh, the Fremen has to ingratiate himself with the tribe before being able to join them, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, that that was great because, I mean, in the book, it's also, like, again, like, one of those things where you just feel the moment so heavily, and that really is, like, the turning point for Paul, and I think it was kind of a brilliant move to end the movie on that note. Because that just kind of, I hope, sets the tone for what part two will be and what we were just talking about with, like, the tonal shift. Um, sort of, kind of. Um, my favorites, I mean, I have a lot of, there's, like, so many good scenes. Like, that. Uh, the, the spice mining scene is, like, uh, maybe an all-timer. Especially if you saw, like, an IMAX or Dolby Cinema or anything. Like, that I'm going. Scene. I'm going this week, Doug. I'm going this week. Before before it gets replaced um, by Eternals, I'm catching it on I think Tuesday in IMAX. Was it yeah special? Yeah, yeah that um that entire scene like you know just with the worm engulfing it and uh, and you got the full aspect ratio uh, on that and uh, the me I, although I did make the mistake I sat all the way to the left I was on the aisle seat um, and I was directly next to the speaker. And that scene might have killed my eardrums for a solid day, but it's fine. It was worth it. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite scene, but that was like one of the scenes where I truly felt like, I'll say it like awe-inspired, like just by the, the sight of it and the sound of it and the scale of it. And also just like the visualization of something that I read about weeks ago, you know, and uh, seemed kind of perfectly presented on screen um i I mentioned it earlier uh when we were talking last time about this movie but um i don't know why but my favorite scene in this movie is probably just that very quiet scene at the beginning with uh duke leto and paul at the Mm -hmm. atreides graveyard before they leave uh caliban and I, i honestly i couldn't tell you why that's my favorite scene i just think it's because in a movie so full of like you know, big ideas and big um, explosions and actors and uh, creatures and effects and all that stuff. You just have a very brief but important scene uh, of father and son, you know. And just, like, the acting in that scene, and it's really that moment that I immediately was like, yes, that is Duke Leto, and that's Paul Atreides. And 
I don't know, just seeing Timmy and Oscar act off each other, it just really did something for me. Uh, also, the line delivery of uh, here we have uh, air power and water power. In Arrakis, we will have desert power. Like, fuck, dude. Like, just fuck me up, man. Just fuck it me up. Per- it perfectly encapsulates the type of foolishness, arrogance that I think Timmy captures so well in his. Leto is written pretty explicitly as a bit of an airhead. He's like kind of a your type of neoliberal, uh, like political ideologue, somebody mm. who fixes absolutely everything on the surface and yet is not ruling differently than quote unquote the opposing party. Right. And I mean, the right. book touches on that pretty, pretty keenly where, um, that's a actually that's a pretty big spoiler, Joey. I don't want to spoil the book for you if you do intend on reading it. But there's a twist that proves how closely interwound the or the uh, Atreides and the Harkonnens are. Um, but I think I think that line really it's it's he repeats it like two or three times. It's clear that he doesn't necessarily understand what the work is that needs to be done on Arrakis but he's encapsulated it in like a little buzzwordy type of way that makes yeah. him feel good about <laughs> committing a genocide. Do you know what I mean? Potentially yeah. committing a genocide. No, we'll be friends with you guys before we put you into labor camps and stuff like that. Like, no, you, you can have your little villages and stuff like that, but we're still going to pillage your land. Yeah, it, it's, it's really heavy shit. And it, I think that's why I like that graveyard scene so much is because maybe just like the, 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 the vibe of like, you're on, they're literally like standing on their ancestors. Right. And they've entirely conquered Caladan and they've, uh, it's all theirs. It's been an Atreides homeland for thousands of years and they just want more. They want to go further. And it's even, not even that they want it, but they just aren't. He's just so naive that when the uh, the emperor calls upon him to take over, that one scene where the, he signs the contract uh, and the people from the empire come over to Caladan. Um, in any other movie, a scene like that would be like a triumphant, exciting thing. But I love in that scene when he's like stamping it with the ring. It's like scary. There's it's like a foreboding. very yeah, it, it's very unnerving. And, like, even the way he's, like, uh, he's like, is it done? And the guy's like, yeah, it's done. Like, fuck, dude. <laughs> it's it's just perfectly executed. And it just sets the tone perfectly. Like, there's never a moment on Arrakis. There's moments where you feel awe-inspired or just, like, amazed by, like, the, the scale and the beauty of what you're watching. But there's never a moment where you're like, wow, this is beautiful. Or, like, wow, this is, like exciting and like a, a beautiful place to live in like i like escapism that i want to go to like with star wars or something right there's never a moment and rightfully so on arrakis where you feel like i want to go to this place like you don't want to go to dune you don't want to be in the dune world <laughs> like and i i love that about it it's escapism it's like almost anti-escapism and for sure that's a good way of putting it yeah and i i fucking love it this movie does a perfect job of like investing you in the in the technology and the creatures and the characters and all this jazz, but 
not for one second do you want to get in the middle of the politics or the wars or any of it because it's messy and it's brutal and it's ugly and it's maybe the closest sci-fi is to real life and that's why you don't want to escape there expertly put that was nice (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) um yeah man and i just think and that goes for both the book and the movie that just goes to show like denny did a did a fantastic job and um but johan did you have a favorite scene the opening i think is is my favorite um from that initial oniric sort of weird ephemeral voice sotokar voice saying you know dreams or voices from the deep or messages from the deep okay. or whatever that through paul waking up uh on caladan right after uh chani says i wonder who our next oppressors will be everything in that that first like five minutes of the movie shook me to my core uh and that was absolutely transcendental i I uh, like soy facing the entire time, <laughs> like literally, like I had a wall of fucking Funko Pops behind me, just like um, the laser weapons that the the Fremen used to defend themselves from the Harkonnen harvesters, all of that stuff. Seeing the technology in action, seeing seeing the Fremen jump out of the sand yeah. was awe-inspiring um that that initial buzz that i got from that movie is i genuinely feel like a feeling that i'm going to be chasing for a very long time i want to feel that way forever um magical uh aside from that though the the scene where you're introduced to um oh my god uh javier bardem still guard oh still guard yeah yeah, when he oh, spits yes. in the palace. Uh, that's a uh, all my fucking boys are in that scene, dude. You got Stephen McKinley Henderson, <laughs> who was great in the movie. Yeah, you got uh, Jason Momoa, Duncan Idaho, uh, and Silgar comes in and spits on the table, and it is uh, genuinely hysterical. I, if you would have if you would have told me that my our audience would be laughing during Dune, like in hysterics, there were howls during that scene. See, People were cracking the fuck up, dog. I was gonna bring that up because that scene in the book, that, that exact scene happens in the book, but it's not played as comedy in the book. It's completely serious. Uh, the book deliberately tells you that it's an act of honor to give up your moisture because it's so valuable on a, on a Arrakis, right? Um, that scene is played for laughs in the movie and I think it actually works and that's something that I think Denis does quite often in the movie he he finds like very specific and very smart points to inject humor Um, and I'm honestly really amazed at that I think it's like a very impressive thing that you can even add humor to Dune at all quite frankly I think right and especially like modern humor that actually works for an audience where it also doesn't neglect the story or the uh, the characters or anything. And it, it, it's cool. It's really fucking cool to me. Um, I mean, Joey, any other like aspects that we didn't touch on yet that you were like into or like you thought um, were essentially well done? I mean, Zendaya was good. Uh, she's very good in it. Um, I thought... I mean, it's pretty much all around. I mean, obviously, it's, like, stunningly shot. The score is amazing. Um, the kind of the scale of it, it's such a big fucking movie. Um, 
and it's uh, I saw it on um, I saw it again uh, before we did this because uh, I saw the first time I saw it was an IMAX. I rewatched it on a smaller screen, and it still hits. Even though you know IMAX might be the preferred way to see it, it still hits just as hard. That that sequence where the where the um the bad people invade uh and just kill, kill everybody. Of course. Uh, it's so good. It's such a giant sequence. Um, and it's it's just really well done. It's kind of it's it's weird because Dune when it was announced, it was like I was it was more it was the thing I was most excited for. It was all I could think about. And then uh, with COVID and everything, uh, it kind of just I kind of it kind of fell out of uh, the hype train for it because it was just like I was like okay, well this will never come out now. It's been so long, so I kind of went into the film having no expectations for it. But um, now on the other side of it, uh, looking back on what I was excited for and everything I could have wanted out of it, so uh, I love Dune. And uh, I'm excited to see Dune Part Two. Um, I'll, maybe I'll check the book out uh, if I, if you guys are lucky. And uh, uh, yeah, that's my two cents. Uh, tickets. Uh, I was gonna make a bad movie theater joke, but forget about it. Um, no, I appreciate your insight as always, Joey. As the, the infamous non-reader on the pod. <laughs> Uh, the infamous always, illiterate on the pod. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's just uh, too monkey-brained to like just watch a. Uh, he's gotta watch movies. No words. Just like even when there's subtitles in this movie, he's gotta. Mm-hmm. He can't read it. I gotta. Sit next yeah, to it was him. a big. Uh, it was a huge guess. I had no idea what they're saying. Well, good thing I was sitting next to you to like tell you. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. gave you. I deliberately read it wrong to you, just to mm-hmm. confuse you. Um. Mm-hmm. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Um, That's honestly so nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it feels like it's hard for me to even t- talk about this any more in depth because, like, I mean, one, I think we already covered, like, so much. But, like, also, it's so well done. There's no gripes. There's nothing I feel like they could have done any better. It's about as good. No, I will say it is as good of a do not patient as you can ever get. And it it thrilled me. Um, I truly loved every cast member. Um, visually, it's absolutely stunning. We even touched on the cinematography, but uh, it, it looks immaculate. Um, I, that was one of the things that I was most worried about, was they announced Greg Frazier as the DP, I feel like, pretty early on. And I think a lot of us had foolishly assumed that they were, uh, that Denis, excuse me, was going to bring um, Deacons back for Dune. Which, obviously, that's an that's an embarrassment of riches. I would have <laughs> came and pissed and shit my pants at the same time. Um, so when when he announced that that it was actually going to be Greg Frazier, I was a little bit apprehensive because up until that point he was Oscar nominated, I think, for Lion, the Death yeah. Tell movie he had done, Rogue One, which I thought was curious. Um, and I feel like Dune, in my head, was maybe always a little bit, and I think too, like just colored by all of the weird, psychedelic, phantasmagoric Yodorowsky stuff. Um, I w- I really was. Ex- I needed something a little bit surreal. I needed yeah. something a little bit impressionistic, maybe. And I thought Deacons would have been that, and Greg Frazier ended up being that. There's one cut in the movie that absolutely sold me on Greg Frazier's style. Uh, and it's um, 
when Timothy's listening to the uh, sort of hollow deck, his yes. like homework, right? And he he's reading about the still suits and he's reading about the native people of Arrakis. And as soon as the voice says, you know, the Fremen have adapted to life on Arrakis, you get this weird sort of very slow push in of a group of Fremen, like kind of hunched over on a rock edifice. But there's a light leak on the top half of the the, the frame. Mm-hmm. Looks kind of vaguely orange red and it's kind of pulsating and then it bleeds out, slow push. And you get the regular sort of desaturated color. Um, fucking hell. That's yeah. that a couple of times in it. And I had to eat my vegetables a bit. And I was like, yeah. Yodorowsky Denny Villeneuve is not. This is as this is what needs this is how you need to do it. Yeah. Is you can't go full tilt on it because you're gonna lose people because the rest of the movie is so stayed pretty, pretty formal. Uh, pretty self-serious i think uh it'd be hard to go full dadaist yeah trippy i don't know there are flourishes like that like the zendaya stuff that looks like it was shot on a different film stock or something like that it's a great i i yeah very grainy it was yeah there's there's a there's a good amount of texture to some of the zendaya shots that i really appreciated um i'm sold on greg frazier between that and the batman trailer coming out sure. literally the week yes. of of dune release dick hard fully erect that man yeah. that man gonna, can have me i was gonna bring that up because uh, there's a, just a few shots in the batman trailer where it's like goddamn man like <laughs> it it just looks like he he's i mean rogue one i think is like i don't know like why in rogue one and like i forgot what else he's done but like there's a few shots in those movies yeah. that are it's like zero dark 30 as well if i'm not mistaken it was another that, very, very very big one for him that's actually a really well shot movie um i think so too yeah yeah but um you know there's shots in like rogue one or lion where uh, it's, they're not like poorly shot movies by any means, but they definitely have like a Bradford Young almost type beat to it. Bradford it's like, Young is another one that I was hoping would step up to do Dune, and I think he he's he's stepped out of the he stepped out a little bit. Yeah, I think you know those are the kind of guys where I'm like I dig their style in spades or like with certain projects, but you attach them to the wrong thing and I get a little bit nervy. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. uh, but I no, I think Frazier fucking killed it. He he really nailed it. And I think Villeneuve movies are like very um, almost defined by their cinematography sometimes because he's such a almost understated director, which is why I think it's so cool that he did a epic like this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think you know the mixture of like because there's like a lot of moments in this movie where it's like almost minimalist and like mm-hmm. framing. Yeah. And it makes you feel small in comparison to the world around you. And it's like that. I don't know why, but the one scene when the um, I forgot the name of the army that the um, that they the hired. Yeah, the starter car. Yeah, um, the, the emperor's personal elite fighting force. For the when, when they're like dropping in um, towards. Oh, the my end, God. Oh, Fucking hell, dude. Um, after the, the Battle of House Atreides, but when they meet up with Duff and Idaho again, and they're dropping in 
and there's no sound. You just see them dropping in. You see their shadows go through. Uh, but also, like, the use of, like, lighting in that moment, and, like, when they're going hand-to-hand with uh, Idaho. Uh, that I don't know why, but that scene stuck out to me on a cinematography level because on first glance, it's, like, you think cinematography means, like, you know, saturated colors or something. But it's even as simple as, like, lighting and, like, the way that you mix shadows with light and, like, it i don't know why but i just like that scene it i I can't even put it to words like just something about that scene really sold it for me it was like just the way it was shot composed the the set design of it all like it just felt like everything was firing on all cylinders that when the emotional bit with idaho happened you're like you fucking felt it uh is the dread was perfectly built up. That's and that's the operative word there. Yeah, that's that's the operative feeling rather is is dread. People yeah. shouldn't be that these guys are monsters. Why are they? Oh, they're here to slaughter everybody. Let's force you to watch them do that. And that's exactly what they do. Yeah, it's fucking. Can I? Okay, quick little tangent. I have watched this movie five times now. Right? Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Uh, I that's a I, yeah. It's it's fucked up. Um, I was I so I I've seen it in the theater once. I've watched it on my laptop a couple of times. And the most recent time I was watching it on my phone as the director intended. Um, uh, it was like 3 a.m. and I was eating noodles in my kitchen, uh, wearing a big hoodie in my underwear. Um, and I'm eating noodles facing away from the entrance, which, Gurney Halleck, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for facing away from the entrance while I was doing anything. Um, Yeah, good little little pull there. Um, (laughs) And that Sadakar scene happens where they're gently floating down to massacre everybody at that ecological waste station. And I'm sitting there dogging this fucking top ramen, just like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And my mom suddenly opens the fridge. It was pitch black. And I threw my chopsticks. <laughs> like just literally screamed. And she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, man, you have no idea what you just did to me. She yeah. fucking the living hell out of me. Then I had to explain <laughs> to her. She was like, haven't you seen this movie already? And I was like, shut up. Jesus Christ. Get away from me. Go away. Come on. Come on. She wouldn't get Why it. Why gotta be like that, dude? <laughs> she, you wouldn't get, wouldn't get it. You know, I. It's a dude's rock thing. The the initial reaction to me hearing you say you saw it five times was shock, but uh, now that the more that we talk about it, it just makes me want to watch it again, and now I get it because it's like it fucking rules. I've only seen it twice. I'm gonna I'm gonna head out for a third viewing sometime this week because uh, I did do the HBO Max viewing once. Sorry, liberals. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the shit um, libs are gonna can you for that one. <laughs> but I had to have my subtitle viewing. You know what I mean? Same. Um, yeah, it's like it's essential. Um, essential workers. Uh, but I <laughs> grateful. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I'm gonna go back to seeing either IMAX or Dolby or something uh, before Eternals takes over the world. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I. I, I don't know. Like, I guess to wrap it up, I'm I'm properly spice pilled. I I don't I don't really see a universe where this movie could have been any better than it was. I think um, Denis did truly amazing job. I don't think. Um, I'm, how do I word this without confusing people? I don't think it's his best movie. I I'd even put Blade Runner above it. I would put 
um, probably Prisoners. And I mean, my personal favorite Denny movie is still Arrival. Um, Same. I, okay, cool, great. Yeah, uh, Arrival. Arrival is uh, Arrival's transcendental, man. Arrival yeah. is un absolutely unspeakably beautiful. Arrival I, I was, is so special. I'm really happy we're on the same page about that because I, uh, I know some people that aren't too hot on Arrival, and I, I guess I understand, but um, that movie, that, that I mean, first of all, that's a movie that I saw, um, I think I saw it when I was like 18, maybe 19, um, and I wasn't, I was in a very weird point in my life between high school and college, you know, I'm very nervous about moving on in life, and just something about that movie very much comforted me about like past, present, future. And um, I kind of just wouldn't think it was just an alien sci-fi movie. And I was not ready to hear those like kind of wisdoms in my life at that time. Um, and it, 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 actually, it actually moved me in, in a very profound way. And I'll always, like, I don't know if he'll ever top that in my eyes, just on a personal level, because I... That's such a, like, honestly, top 10 theater experiences of all time is seeing that movie in theaters for me. Um, but, so with that being said, like, Arrival, sort of gone that whole tangent about Arrival. I love that movie so much. I can um, talk all day about Arrival, buddy. Abbott <laughs> is death process. Um, but a little I, pull well, for the movie fans out there in Radio Land. <laughs> well, I think Arrival might be his best, or, you know, you can make the argument the other ones are. I still think Dune might be his biggest accomplishment. Uh, maybe his most technically precise and profound movie. And um, it's nothing less than triumph. And yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I, I kind of a 10 out of 10 for me, low key. Um, I wasn't sure about it when I first left the theater. I was, I was like, I loved it, but I need to, because you're riding the high of it after the first viewing. Um, but the second viewing and hopefully the third just reaffirm it for me. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. Um, I don't know, Joey, do you want to give some like final thoughts and, uh, maybe a rating I mean, if you like it? Uh, I'd give it, I have it about, I have it at about a nine and a half right now. Um, I think it's a really big, it's, it's, a, it's, I, I agree with what you said. It might not be his, I, I prefer prisoners and Blade runner. Um, and I maybe a rival, but, uh, I, I think it's definitely his most impressive film in terms of this guy really can't do anything because I mean, prisoners is, he really can't thriller, do anything or he really can do everything. That's what I said. Uh, yeah, he can't do shit. He sucks, but it's, uh, Fuck it's, that it's, guy. seeing Dune, it's like, Oh, cause I mean, Blade Runner, uh, has action, some action. There's like one action sequence in it and, and prisoners is pretty tense and there's some pretty high concept stuff in arrival, but, this is kind of a, a nice amalgamation of all of his work, and it's just kind of he really can do no wrong at this point. Yeah. Have Have you guys seen Polytechnique? No. no, that's my um, that's my big blind spot. I've seen Incendies and uh, uh, stuff like that, but I Polytechnique is uh, actually in front of the pod. Zach Perry really raved about that one to me uh, a while back. Polytech Polytechnique is. I think the movie that broke Denny for me, I would highly recommend you guys watch it. Um, I think it's on, it's one of those library card movies where you can watch it if you have like Canopy or Hoopla or something like that. Bro, Canopy got me through the pandemic. 
No cappuccino, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Canopy's Canopy's the shit. They have a shout out Canopy, bro. They have a phenomenal um, library. They have a great UI. They're always adding stuff like literally every week. You know, at- for the e girls, they got a uh, they got a twenty four section. Um, Speak on that, bro. Um, no, it, yeah. All jokes aside, Canopy is fantastic. It's a great service. Can- if you have a Canopy rips. Actually, this might be a good informational type beat. Uh, if you have a library card and you, you're like, what's Canopy? Uh, chances are you probably have access to Canopy with a library card. So uh, go on Canopy and check that out because it's always good to have uh, public access to stuff. That shit's um, free, dog. It's free. Free. Have you Get used it, it Joey? Uh, they don't do it in my county. It's really? A, it's, 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 it's a county by county service. Are you uh, still I'm Seminole County. They don't do it. That's not no. I've had canopy through Seminole. Uh, Same. Not the not the way I not. not I mean, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but I, I can, go in and there's nothing there. I think it might be your library specifically, but uh. Joey, do I, you still have an active university email? Yeah. No, the my two universities also don't. Valencia doesn't do it, and then uh, UCF only has like in the mood for love on there, and then Seminole State doesn't do it either. So all three colleges are robust. Um, uh, I'll give you my canopy, Joey. Um, Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. Um, damn, you might be doing it wrong on canopy, but Denise doing damn. it right. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um. No, I, 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 I think my Denise ranking is is arrival, arrival number uno, and then Dune probably number two. Um. Technique and Sicario, though, man. Are up there, specifically yeah, I, specifically Day of the Soldado. <laughs> don't remind me. Did you ever I see that? No, I never watched it. It's um, okay. I did. I yeah, I wasn't about it. I I like heavily was not fucking with that movie for a majority. I get it. Um, I get it. but also on a, on a other level though, I guess it's kind of a Chad move to like take a Val Noob movie and like just make a fucking action shit out of it. <laughs> Um, but also on D2, <laughs> Day of the Soldado, Day of the Day of the uh, par- uh, Kids with the Strange Parents. Sorry, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess to, this is a good way to close up. If you, uh, Joe, if you while I'm talking, if you want to pull up your ranking of uh, Bell Nuve, but uh, yeah, I think I'll go Arrival, Blade Runner, Prisoners. Dune, Sicario, Enemy, and then Incendies for me. Where are we? Where are we capping it? Um, Gimme. I'm sorting. I'm so sorry for not having this. Oh, prepared. like have you have you seen all of them? Like all those movies. Uh, um, I'm trying to think. So I've starting. I before uh, before Polytechnique, uh, his features were he did Maelstrom which is still a French-Canadian movie, August 32nd on Earth. And then Polytechnique is kind of widely regarded as being his last domestic film, basically. So mm-hmm. it's obviously it's like a like the breakthrough, right? Um, yeah. Enemy shot in Toronto, or in, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto, in Canada, whatever. But, I mean, using largely like an American lead and stuff like that. I don't know. Where are we, where are we capping this at? Are we going, are we doing on Sunday as... That's um, the forward. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool with me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to hear your guys' rankings. I love this. Yeah, I think... I mean, I'm pretty confident in mine. Like, I think Arrival is my favorite. Blade Runner, then Dune. Uh, Prisoners, and, but, like, it's even hard to, like, put Sicario number five because Sicario is also, like, a five out of five for me. Um, the only two that I'm not, like, super hot on are Enemy and Incendies, which I think are both very good movies. But I... The thing is, like, his margin for me is, like, either a five out of five or a 3.5. Like, I... It's kind of weird. Like he either goes masterpiece or good. Like I, I don't think he's he's ever been bad, but uh, that's his margin for me. Um, but yeah, uh, Joey, you got your ranking. Yeah, uh, number one, you got Prisoners. Number two, you got Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Number three, you got Arrival. Uh, number four, you've got Sicario. Uh, and number five, uh, you have Enemy. Um, and I think those are the only ones of his I've seen. Dune? Uh, I've not seen oh Dune. What I'm an idiot, dude. I should have an update. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm that shit sucks. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Dune. Yeah, Dune sucks. No, I would do so. Prisoners, Blade Runner. Uh, uh, I don't know if I like it more than Arrival or not, but uh, I probably put it above Arrival. Or, ah, Arrival's so good. Okay, it's gonna be four under Arrival, but that's still like the, that top three. Those top four. Uh, what a golden uh, golden run that is. He's got such an impressive filmography. Yeah, I if I hadn't have rewatched Prisoners or the Pandemic, I probably would have put Dune over that. But Prisoners is really fucking good, man. It's it's mm-hmm. it, it's a great fucking movie. It holds up like 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 it just it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. I I'll always remember seeing that on like in theaters on Thanksgiving Day with my mom, and just like leaving sad as shit. Like, just sad as a motherfucker. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, perfect movie. Um, Johan, do you have your uh, your rankings? Yeah, number one is Arrival. Number two is Dune. Three, I'm going Sicario. Four, I'll go... Fucking hell. Uh, Blade Runner. Five on Sunday then prisoners after that and then enemy is the i think the only one that i think it's neat um just not my thing yeah i agree i i, think. I like i he's a little he's a little up his own ass in that movie i'm I, not going to lie i'd say a little um, more than a little like that movie it's, it's hard to completely, it's hard to completely dismiss it cuz the craft is like definitely there like undeniably yep. but um it's also like okay buddy like you know like one of those movies it's like all right like let's let's cool you down let's let's get you a nap and like let's he's really he's really dabbing on him in that movie yeah uh wait i forgot joey are you like an enemy head or do you agree with us joey oh right hello yo are you like an enemy enemy. uh i thought enemy pretty good uh, i can't say i get it all but uh, i like it for sure um it's well done um but i haven't i haven't like i've seen it twice and i'll probably never watch it again yeah i'm i oh yeah i i will never watch enemy again uh because why would i <laughs> um yeah. but yeah those are our uh Denny rankings i'm kind of curious where dune part two falls um and honestly i'm curious how long it's gonna stay on arrakis because uh it kind of seems like if he's gonna go dune Dune Part Two, and you know, fingers crossed, Dune Messiah. Are we not going to get an r- original 
Denis movie for like mm-hmm. what until maybe 2030 or something? Can you imagine well, he's, that? He's he's got he's got a mini series for HBO, Jalen Hall, coming out or, or in the works. I think. I don't I don't know if the Dune green light reflects that. Um, I would imagine it's, he's he's got he's got he's working on he he's on some other shit. So um, yeah, I either whatever he, he also, does, he's, he wants to do a Bond. What do you guys think about that? He he's really capping super hard to do the next Bond. I think before I saw Dune, I was kind of like, let's just give it to Nolan or something. You know what I mean? But um, after Dune and him proving how like accessible he can be when he tries. Um, and also seeing how good of a, do- a job uh, Fukunaga did, where he didn't, you know, I don't feel like Fukunaga compromised his vision, but also met that middle ground of, like, blockbuster cinema for Bond with No Time to Die. Um, by the way, we didn't do a No Time to Die episode, but I've seen it twice now, and I fucking love it. I think it's, like, top five Bond. Um, but, yeah, I sign me the fuck up. Is what I'm trying to say. Like that, like inject that shit in my veins immediately. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious whatever the fuck they do with it moving forward, but uh, yeah. that'd be a good pick. Um, you know, I mean, did you have a, a dog in that fight? I've got a dog in your fight. Oh, shit. Sorry. Um, nice. Yeah. Needless <laughs> to say, I've got a bit of a crush on you, Adam and Joey. Um, uh, no, nah. I mean it goes both ways, buddy. Yeah, you do. Um, I oh. think it's a. I think I think it'll. I I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know. I feel less strongly about Bond than I do uh, most other film franchises. So. See, Bond is for some reason I've seen every single Bond movie ever. I get um, it. So I'm, I'm kind of bond-pilled, and I uh, sob like a baby. I totally get it. To die, so. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that about covers it with Dune. Uh, we we went off for an hour, and we did a good job, I think, so give us a gold star on our, on our, little, uh, on our little behavior board, you know. <laughs> um, Johan, thank you so much for coming on the pod, my man. Dude. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it meant a lot uh, to be able to hang out with you guys again. Um, oh, yes. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to plug or even just, like, wrecks you got or anything to top it off. Fucking follow me on Letterboxd, dude. I'm going super... I'm a, I'm really going hard this year watching a bunch of new releases. Um, let me see where I'm at right now. Uh, as of early. as of today, I'm at I'm at 270 new releases uh, for the year. You're a madman. Since not to get sac or not to get a excuse me overly sentimental, but ever since our friend Eli passed away, I've been uh, I've I've taken it upon myself to try and um, watch more because I think end of year time it would come and I'd see Eli's lists of like 350 400 movies. And I just like get upset. Like, how the fuck does anybody have time to do that? Um, and buddy, you gotta make time. And I've been trying to make time since he passed away. So, um, yeah, uh, f- fuck with me on Letterboxd at underscore 
Rucker-ish, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's pretty much it, dude. I, uh, I yeah, uh, support Dune in theaters. <laughs> um, no. I will say that uh, that was a lovely sentiment for Eli. Uh, I, 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 I will say I think Eli would have loved Dune. I really do because knowing, doubt. knowing Eli and his tastes and the stuff that he he fucked with, um, I. I just like imagining his letterbox log for it, you know, and it makes me happy. Um, so it, I think it's really cool that um, it's kind of like for Eli and stuff like that. Man. So, yeah. Yeah. I, if I can just echo uh, those sentiments, follow Johan on letterbox. Cause he, uh, there's a reason why he's always coming back on the pod. He's, he's, he's the man of the hour, every hour. He, he gives great That's insight. Very nice of you. I, Hey buddy, I, you know, I, I suck you off and I tell the truth, you know, I, I just, I that's have my what energy. I like about you, Adam. That's what <laughs> I like about you. Uh, no, I, I appreciate you guys. I, I love both of you dearly. And I think both of you into, uh, into Kino, into the cinema, as it were, are always uh, very from a Whoa, oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> you know uh, you had to druid to him. Fuck. Yo, Joey, pass me a, uh, pass me some Sprite, bro. <laughs> <Nice>. No. I... <laughs> uh, Joey, Joey, you're flying you... a little bit too close to the sun there. You're like a regular Marvel's Icarus. I'm gonna kill myself. Um, I don't go too yes. fast, us, Joey. Is that the? That's like from Hamilton, right? Bro, you're being a real Macari right now. The way you're trying to rush this. Um, <laughs> I think. I hate myself. Um, Joey, what the fuck do you want to plug? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Joseph underscore Salmon on most platforms. Um, and then something might be up by Thanksgiving. Uh, can't make any promises, but yeah. On where? On the Aggressive Market Productions <laughs> YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Or else you're going to get another spanking and we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, Please. Um, yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, Adam underscore not Sandler, letterbox Adam, like add dumbass Sandler. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, and also the pod, uh, AOK pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, we'll be back very, very soon. Um, I think by the time this one uploads, we'll also have a Last Night in Soho and French Dispatch episode up. And next week, we'll be back with Eternals and. Boy, oh boy, are you ready to hear our Kingo takes? So, um, Joey, if you want to close up for us, buddy. All right, gamers, we find ourselves once again at that special moment. Uh, We've laughed, we've loved, we've made memories, and uh, I think we learned a thing or two. So with that, um, I'll leave you with this. Uh, Good night, good luck. Keep on quarantining, keep on vaxxing, keep on keeping on. Uh, All right, all right, all right. And keep on blogging with that dog. Have a nice day, gamers. Goodbye.